Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-Mac attack. McCaffrey won't make the beat. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. And welcome into the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my co-host, Sports Illustrated, Skylar Callahan. You can follow him for all the latest on the Carolina Panthers uh, and Charlotte Hornets uh, at Callahan underscore on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Dez, that's D-E-Z underscore 3505. we got a lot to cover today. For those asking, yes, we've been hyping the, uh, the triumphant arrival of uh, Panther legend Thomas Davis, scheduling conflicts. Uh, preseason's nuts. We were just talking about it off the mic. How we're we're still putting together when we're going to do this during the week because of our commitments to other things. And uh, Thomas is a busy guy. He he's uh, with NFL Network. He's with NFL and CBS and all these other things. I promise we will have Thomas Davis with us uh, here shortly um, as we motor through this three week, well, I guess five week long preseason. The Panthers defeating the Washington Commanders on Saturday and preseason uh, week one. We'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, myself and Skylar will give you our takeaways from that game. The Panthers are doing joint practices with the New England Patriots for the next couple of days leading up to them playing on this Friday in New England at 7 p.m. We'll talk a little bit about that. We got some audio from head coach Matt Rule regarding the offensive line and much, much more. So definitely sit back, buckle up if you're a Carolina Panther fan. Uh, we're one of your main sources for Carolina Panthers news and insight throughout the week. First, before we get into all that, though, let's talk about our main sponsor, and that's Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find out all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Really easy to get started. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And where we will start are our main takeaways from the Panthers' uh, victory over the Washington Commanders. A little drama there at the end. Full goal from Zane Gonzalez wins it. Panthers are 1-0 in preseason. But, of course, we all know that doesn't really matter. Uh, preseason is just glorified scrimmage to me at this point. And uh, Skyler, I actually made a point to make sure I wasn't in the house when the game was on because I wanted to listen to the radio broadcast. Uh, I do a lot of high school football, play-by-play, college play-by-play and stuff like that. And I wanted to hear uh, the new Carolina Panthers announcer, uh, Anish Shroff, and see how he went. And it was pretty seamless. Broadcast sounded great. Uh, but I did write down – I jotted down a couple of takeaways that I took from listening to the game – um, I'll turn it over to you first. What was one of the main takeaways you took from seeing the commanders take on the Panthers uh, on Saturday afternoon? You know, that, that's tough because, I mean, like like you said, it's just there's not much to really get out of this, especially this first preseason game when there's limited reps for the, the ones and twos. But um, I would say just that first – those first two drives by, by Mayfield and Darnold, I think they both – 
you know, handled those, those series pretty well. They moved the ball down the field. They got the job done. They got points on the board. And I think, too, just the, the level of urgency was there from the get-go. I think, you know, sometimes you can fall asleep walking into these games just because you know it, it doesn't really count. And especially those, those ones and twos, they know that nothing's really on the line for them. Uh, but I think for the most part, level of urgency was there and, you know, attention to detail was there. I just think they they were there to win the football game. And that's something that we probably really didn't see much of last preseason where it felt like a lot of guys were still trying to buy into, you know, the, the culture. They were still trying to buy into the system, the scheme, and also fighting for positions because there's a lot of uncertainties back then. But this year, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, that was one of the vibes that I caught where last year felt like everybody was kind of learning. Um, this year it feels more – it almost feels like there's more camaraderie amongst the team. Like it, it, it kind of – it's almost palatable. You can almost see that they're kind of gelling into something. I don't know what. I'm tentative. I'm tippy-toeing around <laughs> <laughs> like phrases because I don't know exactly what they're what they're molding themselves into. But we've heard multiple players talk about it. Um, the one thing in this tenure of Matt Rule that I think both of us have said is that the players don't seem to be turning against Matt Rule at all. If anything, it feels like they've bought in the longer they've been here. And this year, I feel like it's almost like a culmination from what we've seen so far, where it feels like, it's, you know how it is when you learn a new job or something, you're slow at first when you learn it. But once you learn it, you can almost do it just off of repetition and, and muscle memory. And that's kind of, it feels like they're crossing that hurdle where now they're starting to do things not thinking about it, so the game is slowing down for them. There was a couple of defensive plays where it felt like, you know, three, four, five guys are swarming to the ball in like a base uh, four-three defense. It just, it's just fundamental football that I was watching. So I was pretty impressed with that. Uh, that they were, they're turning. It feel like it feels like it's more of a team from what I'm seeing from the practices and the, the preseason as opposed to a collection of players. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all gelling, they're all communicating, and I think that's one of the biggest areas you're going to see a major difference in this year is just the communication, you know, especially defensively. Xavier Woods, that's somebody that they've talked about from the GM, the head coach, players on down. Like, that guy is an elite communicator, and I, and it gets overlooked a lot in, in football. Everyone just looks at talent, but if, as you saw last year, they could have a really talented defense, but if you can't communicate – and especially in certain areas of the field in certain situations, you're not going to be that great of a defense. Panthers had a good defense last year, but they weren't great. Yeah, That was the biggest thing that held them back from being great was the lack of communication, being on the same page, having Xavier Woods back there. That allows Jeremy Chin to play more freely, allows him to be more aggressive. And I think just having that quarterback of the defense back there that opens up so many things. And I think even on the offensive side too, I get they're, they're going to be, you know, throwing a bunch of different offensive line combinations out there, a bunch of different receivers and obviously the quarterbacks. But I think for the most part, it's gone fairly smooth. Like obviously they're still trying to work some, through some things, but I think you're starting to get a good idea as to who those guys are. They're going to be contributing, whether it's in a starting role or backup role. Yeah. One of the guys that, I think I keep writing off, but his name just keeps popping up, and he just keeps popping up on the screen. Linebacker Frankie Louvu uh, yep. was one of the takeaways I took. I mean, it felt like he was calling his name like all day. And then I was listening to the, again, I was listening to the radio broadcast. So I was listening to the post game, 
And those guys in the post game were going on, and um, I can't remember who it was that said it, but they actually compared him to Thomas Davis and a little Sam Mills in there too, where it was just like, I don't know, just certain intangibles that they were seeing on the field for an outside linebacker. They were starting to compare Frankie Lugu to that. And I know he came on strong in the middle of last year, uh, basically just kind of outworked everyone that was trying to make that squad in that position to, to stick around. And now it almost feels like they consider him a, a vital piece of that linebacker core, doesn't it? You want me to make my bold prediction right now? There you go. <laughs> I got it. I'm, I, I, I want to be careful, too, of how I say this, because obviously with a player like Frankie, there's still a lot to, to, to work on, a lot to develop. But I think there is potential for Frankie Lugu to be a star in this league. I really do. He's got the intangibles. He's got all the tools that you need. He flies to the ball. He's around the ball every single play. Even going back to last year, had very limited reps. But even in those limited reps in preseason, regular season, it seemed like every time he was on the field, he was either creating a fumble, blocking a punt, intercepting a pass, hitting the quarterback, around the tackle, tackle in the backfield for a loss. Like, he was always around the ball. Yeah. And to me, yes, they, they're going to miss us on Reddit. But I think they would have made even more of a made even more of a priority to bring Hassan back, maybe even throw more money out there because we don't know the situation. Maybe they came to a certain point in negotiations there they feel comfortable with it. But if they knew what they had in Frankie Louvu is, is going to be a, and maybe that's him becoming a star. Maybe that's why they were like, okay, you know what, we're a little uncomfortable paying this much to Hassan Reddick. Let's see what Frankie Louvu could do in an expanded role. I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but I think that the potential for him is there to be an absolute stud in this defense. If I'm not mistaken, I think I read that uh, the joint practices we're going to talk about here in just a bit between the Patriots and the Panthers that are going on right now, they finished today uh, and then they'll have another one tomorrow. Um, Frankie Louvu uh, intercepted a red zone touchdown yeah. pass from Max Jones, I believe it was. Uh, the Patriots had driven all the way down to like the 12 yard line or something, and, and Louvu gets an interception to stop the He's drive. Always around, always around. Yeah, it kind of it's almost like a Bill Belichick type guy. Maybe it's like a Matt Rule type guy where he just has certain intangibles they like. I, we all know Matt Rule likes guys that can play multiple positions, can do multiple things, they're smart, they're disciplined, they play tough football. Um, and for a while, it was really just word salad, you know, until we started seeing some of those guys. Uh, and, I, and I agree. I think Frankie Lubu was one of those dudes uh, between him. Of course, a lot of starters didn't play Saturday, which we kind of expected. And as they were naming all, the long list of guys that weren't going to play, each one I was like, yep, that's good. That's good. That's good. But, like, I don't want to see any of them. <laughs> like, I don't want to see any of them in the preseason, especially Mr. Christian McCaffrey. You don't need to play. I think they already said he's not going to play in the preseason. Put him on the shelf. For There's him. no reason for it. There's no. We know what he's doing. Plus, I saw him uh, juke some Patriots defender earlier today in some uh, some clips. So he's getting some work. He's getting some reps in for sure. Uh, one of the takeaways I took from him not playing in preseason game number one, he doesn't need to play. And just from seeing him practice, he looks a little leaner. Uh, he's not. He didn't show up to practice or to camp this year with the big, gigantic tree trunk eyes <laughs> that he has the past two years. Uh, I know he had said to you, it spoke to um, Marshall Falk about, you know, conditioning and how to prolong his career. Because to be honest, Marshall Falk is the one running back I think of when I think of Christian McCaffrey in terms of comparison wise. Uh, Roger Craig was a little bit bigger, if, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But in terms of being shifty, 
and the type of runner that you are, the type of pass catcher that you are as a running back, Marshall Falk's the closest thing to Christian McCaffrey, or Christian McCaffrey's the closest thing to Marshall Falk uh, that I've seen in quite some time. I think Christian McCaffrey uh, can return to top three status in the league uh, as a player, not just in his division, not just in the NFC, but top three overall. And if you don't believe me, go look at the fantasy football stuff right now that's plastered yeah. all over the place. Like, if you look at running backs that they're saying, you know, you should go get, if he's not number one, he's number two pretty much on all of these lists. But then again, everyone's like, Carolina has nothing. They have no talent. We don't know if they're going to win, blah, blah, blah. But Christian McCaffrey's at the top of all these uh, fantasy football lists. And then guys he used to be compared to, like, uh, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, uh, Saquon Barkley. They're all, like, mid-teens, further down. You know, like, it just – McCaffrey still – they recognize what, what Christian McCaffrey brings to the table if he's healthy. And if he's healthy, that changes the fortunes of this team entirely to me. There, there's one stat in baseball that I love to, to see. And I know that it may not – it may be calculated differently in other sports. They need to implement it in football, and that's, that's war. And if you don't know what war is, it's wins above replacement. Mm. That is a stat that I think Christian McCaffrey would be leading the league in. Oh, man. Outside of quarterbacks, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even understand how you would calculate it, <laughs> but I think <laughs> alone would probably be worth, what, maybe four? I was going to say four or five wins. Four or five wins. Like, I mean, it, if you take last year's team, for example, and say Christian McCaffrey's healthy for the entire year, maybe four or five might be a stretch, but definitely three. I think three wins is definitely possible. Now, I mean, if he's having a year like he did in 2019, where it's, you know, 1,000 yards receiving, 1,000 yards on the ground, I, I would be perfectly comfortable attributing, you know, four-plus wins to just having McCaffrey because he changes everything the defense has to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's insane. I think if he if he's healthy, this is a team that will be right in the mix going into the, the winter months. But, again, that's going to all come back to – the offensive line is as good as advertised or as good as we think it's going to be, and turnovers. Are they taking the ball away enough, which they didn't really do last year? And, two, are they limiting the turnovers, something they didn't do too much of last year? So it's all going to come down to quarterback offensive line, but if McCaffrey plays 12, 13, 14 games, I think you like your chances. But anything less than that, it's going to be tough. But at least this year I think they have some insurance. Like Chuba Hubbard going into year two – He's a much more complete back than he was a year ago. His contact balance is much better. His pass protection is better. He's still working on catching the ball in the backfield. That's still a little bit of an issue. But you have Deontay Foreman, too. So I think they like the insurance that they have behind CMC. It's just the the idealization of having those three healthy for an entire year. That's a three-headed horse. Whoever wins that quarterback job, obviously Baker Mayfield, but is going to be very happy having those three guys behind them because they can just lean on that run game mm -hmm. and open up everything else. The And, again, having McCaffrey out there makes everybody look better, too, uh, compared to the Panthers' first. Like, a lot a lot oh, yeah, <laughs> a lot better. Um, so, hopefully, you know, they got a plan for him to keep him upright, keep him in there, and he looks really good from what I've seen uh, in practices or whatnot. Um, he was actually on uh, SportsCenter, the noon sports center earlier today. And I listened to him uh, get interviewed. He seems like he's in a good place and uh, ready to rock and roll. Um, you mentioned turnovers and the issue that they had with turnovers last year where they just couldn't 
uh, get any. They did that early in the, the Washington game, actually. The the second and third string guys that were out there, you could tell that the whole defense is getting preached to this, but that set up the, the actual touchdown. Uh, Baker led them on a long drive down for the, the field goal that started the game, and then the defense caused a turnover, which led to Sam Darnold scoring, uh, passing a touchdown in the red zone. I mean, they basically gifted him an opportunity uh, to score. Uh, so he only got three or four plays, but then he got to go back out there again because Baker got a longer drive. It, it does seem like they are leaning towards Baker being the starter week one, which is what we all kind of knew was going to happen uh, when he got here. I do want to say this, though. I made a mistake again of going on Facebook and looking in groups and just seeing what people are saying. <laughs> you know, it's horrible. It's horrible in there. It's just a cesspool. And I, I was questioning why people were questioning why Coach Rule and the coordinators were making these guys work for their starting positions. Like, they were questioning, why isn't Icky starting at left tackle immediately day one? Why isn't uh, – who was another one? I can't remember. Where I, that was the main one was Icky. Uh, why are they Why are they not doing – and then in the preseason game, it's like, well, why aren't any of these people playing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what are wow, you – Wow, the big one. That was the big one. I kept yeah, I'm like, what's, what do you mean? Why do they need to play? They're like, can somebody explain to me why we've got 20 people not playing today? And like, it's preseason week one. <laughs> like, they don't need to play. They already know they're going to play in September. But the, the whole thing with Icky, I just thought was strange because to me, I'm like, I kind of think it's refreshing that, yeah, he was a, a top 10 first round pick, but that didn't necessarily mean they were going to gift wrap him in the left tackle position. They actually made him work for it. And uh, today after the joint practice with the Patriots, uh, head coach Matt Rule actually talked about that, about Icky starting and their their mentality in terms of what they were going to do to get him to where ultimately he is now, where he's been basically been named the the left tackle uh, after that week one and then a couple of practices. Here's uh, head coach Matt Rule, courtesy of Panthers.com. Wanted, um, we wanted Icky to play and put it on tape in a game before we put him with the ones. Um, I know lots of people have asked me that, you know, but, you know, we wanted to, you know, we wanted him to go in a game and play and then earn, you know, sort of, hey, with his play. And so he, he, uh, he, he um, played well in the game. And so these are valuable reps for him. So, you know, there were some plays that were good, probably. There were some plays I know that weren't very good. So, you know, he's going against Judon. They got, they got good players over there. So it's a good rep for him. Um, so he, everybody calm down. He's going to probably be the left tackle uh, <laughs> week one. I mean, we kind of assumed he was going to be because uh, they weren't going to push him into left guard. If anyone was going to get pushed to left guard, it was Brady Christensen. I think, Skyler, that the coaching staff, didn't realize how good Brady Christensen was until towards the end of last year. And then they still weren't convinced. And when one of those top left tackles kind of fell on their lap, they kind of got forced to, well, we need to get one. Cause remember we were sitting there trying to figure out how they're going to get one. And by the time they picked, I think there was two or three, they were just, just sitting there. Oh, to choose. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like what? So they get the top lineman in the draft and it creates a situation that I guess it's a good situation to have where, you go from having an offensive line that's being ridiculed around the league to you got two guys now. People forget Pro Football Focus rated Brady Chris, Brady Christian the highest rated left tackle, like in their rating history or whatever when they did it right before the draft last year. But Matt Rule said his arms were too little or small or whatever it was. <laughs> he wasn't playing them in the beginning, but then by the end of the year they're playing the younger guys. He impresses, and then uh, today after practice, Matt Rule went on about Brady and what they're going to do with the left guard position. Because right now it feels like it's between him and uh, guard Michael Jordan, not uh, from Chicago Bulls fame, but from Charlotte, North Carolina, Panther fame. Uh, here's Matt Rule again from Panthers.com 
courtesy of Panthers.com, talking about uh, the, the shuffling on the left side of the offensive line. Yeah, I think that's that, that's where we are moving forward. Um, so we we, uh, we um, you know I think Brady's probably one of our most improved players on this team. So uh, MJ Brady, they'll continue to battle it out. Uh, MJ and then uh, Brady can also play out at left tackle. So getting Dennis was back, back was good. So we have uh, we have some depth right now. We'll hope that uh, Bozeman's not out too long. Uh, Bradley Bozeman got dinged up earlier today in the practice, so we'll check with him. Uh, Elflon's been playing center since. Uh, Bozeman's been out, but that's been a battle to watch. But I thought it was interesting that they're still making Brady kind of battle for it, but it feels like this is by design. Like they're making these guys fight for these positions so that they savor them more when they win them, as opposed to just handing them positions and them feeling entitled and maybe not playing up to par. Uh, the one thing I noticed on Panther Twitter today, when I sat down to prep this, uh, the ones that are either up in new England or, or have some sort of way to see what's going on. They all were like from David Newton all the way down, Joe Person from the Athletic. They were just all like the Panthers just had more juice today. Like when they came out on the field, like they just seemed like they were hungrier than the Patriots were to start the practice. And they ended the practice. I think there was two fights uh, today. They ended the practice with uh, a couple guys got ejected from the Panthers. Um, I was going to ask what was what going on in New England because if I'm not mistaken, they don't have coordinators, right? Like. It's just like a room of coaches, or what are they doing? <laughs> I, I really don't know. Um, I know well, they, they don't have an offensive coordinator named. It's like Joe Judge and Matt Patricia just yeah. kind of co-doing it, sort of. It's like a co-coordinator situation, but I still think Bill has his hands and all, all up in that. So oh, I, yeah. I don't really know what that situation is like. But, I mean, I think really we're going back to the um, – to the, the offensive line situation, like Brady and the icky thing. So, again, they're making them earn the playing time. If you if you look at the ones that they've been rolling out there, they had Brady at left tackle, which he ended the year as a starting left tackle. Right. Michael Jordan started a ton of games last year, so he's kind of earned the right to at least start training camp at left guard. Elfline started most of the year last year with the team at center. Mm-hmm. And Bradley Bozeman just came in. Johnny Miller, who started most of the right games at right guard last year, he's not here anymore. So, obviously, they're just going to slide Austin Corbett in it. So, they're going to have these guys earn their jobs. I'm, I'm telling you, by the end of this week, we're going to see Icky and Brady at left tackle, left guard, with the ones almost exclusively. Yeah. So, and it's the same thing with the uh, with the uh, quarterback thing. And, and Matt Crowell, everyone's getting upset about – why didn't Mac Rowe get in before PJ Walker? And then it then it became, well, why is PJ Walker getting so much of a run? Listen, <laughs> Mac Rowe is not anywhere near ready to be playing in the NFL just yet. No. Like we saw that on Saturday against Washington and game reps, even in the preseason, you still have to be very careful because even though it doesn't count you're still putting him out there against an NFL team that's not your own. And if he has any bit of adversity and has any bit of struggles, it's going to get in that, in that kid's head. You don't want to ruin his confidence. So I've almost came, come to the thinking like, you know what? They may keep P.J. Walker longer than everybody else thinks because he can be that guy that gets them through the, the majority of that, that middle portion of the games or, or the late portion of the second half because – they don't want to, you know, to ruin Matt Corral's confidence. Hmm. What he played on Saturday is probably the extent of what he needs to play in preseason games two and three. He's just not ready, and that's okay. You don't need to force him 
into that situation when you have a guy like P.J. Walker who can continue to put his tape out there and he can get you through those second halves. I'm glad you brought all that up because that was, that was who I was thinking about was P.J. Walker because that was the other thing I saw online where people were like, why are they giving P.J. Walker all these snaps when he's not going to be here or whatever? Why don't they let Matt Corral play more or whatever? They both pretty much played the, the second half. Uh, now, to Corral's defense, he was out there with third and fourth string offensive linemen. Boy, and, he got ripped apart. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was no protection on a couple of those plays. Because by that time, I had gotten back to the house, and I'm actually watching some of the game because uh, Corral was in there, and I wanted to kind of see uh, this quick release that everybody had been talking about. You can't see that on the radio. So I'm back in the house, and I'm watching a little bit of it, and it felt like he was running for his life. Like, pretty much every time he dropped back to pass, like, it just broke down where he just didn't have time to really get set and throw it. That'll happen. I mean, again, you're playing with guys that aren't going to be on the team in two weeks probably. So Let's be honest. That that offensive line he was rolling with was probably a, a very good resemblance to the starting offensive line. line. <laughs> <laughs> That's Which so tells you how far they came. <laughs> yeah, that does, it really does. Now, for those that were raving about P.J. Walker's uh, performance on Saturday, I don't have the stats right in front of me. I knew he, I know he threw for like 130 yards, 139 yards, something like that. No touchdowns which is typically a P.J. Walker type of game. He'll get you from the 20 to the 20, but then we were having problems getting in the end zone. So for those that were saying that P.J. should be a starter, because I saw some of those, oh, P.J. should be the backup quarterback. I saw a couple of those. It's always, He's always the most popular player on the team, the backup to the backup, pretty much, I guess, in this situation. Um, I hate that P.J.'s not going to be here uh, <laughs> in about two weeks. He'll make the first cut. And to what you were saying, Skylar, actually, I agree to that. They probably will keep him until final cut just so they have that third quarterback that can take the majority of those snaps and not throw Corral out there with third and fourth string guys and maybe ruin his psyche a bit. Well, with PJ, he knows what the deal is. Um, I actually had WRAL's Chris Lee on uh, my Saturday morning show, uh, the rundown this past week, and he was down at training camp. Uh, in Spartanburg, where you were uh, last week, and he said he had been watching PJ Walker on the sideline, and he had noticed that he had a little bit of a different, you know, vibe to him this year. Where normally he's got a little bop to his step, he's you know he's hopping around in practice. He's pretty, uh, a pretty carefree type of guy. He said he kind of noticed that this year wasn't like that. Like PJ knows he's going to be the odd man out, and if anything, I said he got all those minutes in the game on Saturday because they want tape. They want tape of him. Yeah. to help him find a team when he leaves here. So all this is by design. They're not doing it. It's not Walker versus Corral. Like, that's not what's happening. I think they're just trying to get through the preseason without major injury to a major position. We might see – how much do you think Baker and Sam will play on Friday night? Like, that's... I mean, it's the second game, so this is kind of that third week that we were used to, but – I think it's going to be less than what everyone expects because you have the two joint practices. And then as both Matt rule and Bill Belichick have said, sometimes you get more out of these joint practices than you get than the actual preseason game, because you're getting certain situations that you can control versus what you're going to get in the game. You have no idea what you're going to get in the game where in these practice situations, you know, okay, let's, let's do a two minute drill here for both teams offense, defense with the ones that will do the twos. Maybe you want to do a certain situation. Let's say start at the ball or start with the ball at your own 28. And you have 58 seconds of one timeout. Like you can create those situations to see what your guys can do in those certain settings where you have, I mean, it's just going to be up in the air in yeah. the preseason game. So, I mean, I think 
they'll probably get a couple of series. I'd say maybe two to three series each, but I don't, I still don't see it being like anywhere near a quarter or anything like that. Maybe, maybe they do, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I mean, by the third preseason game, we may not see Baker at all. I think we'll, we'll kind of see a lot of those guys sit out and that kind of be like their, the dress rehearsal or this kind of be the, the dress rehearsal week three will be where a lot of those guys fighting for spots. Mm-hmm. There's going to be 37 guys cut in that last wave of cuts. So there's going to be a lot of jobs that are going to be up for grabs. But I mean, the whole thing with crowd, like everyone's just, I get it. It's exciting to have a young quarterback that your team just drafted, but you got to keep in mind too. This guy was drafted in the third round for a reason. Right. Wasn't a top quarterback. This draft, this quarterback class was not very strong anyways. The first one didn't even go to pick 20. So I just think when you look at, at Matt Corral, you can't look at him as he is definitely the future of the franchise. Like if Baker Mayfield takes his team to the playoffs, I'm extending him. I'm sorry. Like okay. I'm extending him to a two-year two, two year deal, maybe a th- three-year deal, and let Corral keep developing. And if Corral doesn't end up working out, then guess what? It's the same situation you had with Will Greer two years ago. He was also a third-round pick. Third-round picks are not going to be your for sure future. I think that's – you know, if he was drafted in the first round, it's a whole different story. What's also interesting, though, is how how the the turnout of Kenny Pickett will be because not only the Panthers passed on him, a lot of teams passed on him. And he fell to the Steelers at number twenty. He looked damn good. Now I know it was in against threes and fours too, but he looked damn good in his first preseason game. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And uh, going back to uh, the quarterback situation, one of the things I did write down was that Baker looked more, way more comfortable than I thought he would. Um, Consider yeah. he just got this playbook, what? A month ago, maybe. A month ago, yeah. And he looked pretty comfortable. I saw he dropped a 50-yard bomb to Shai Smith in this uh, Patriots uh, practice earlier today, too, for a touchdown. Um, he He seems like he is going to be the starter. It feels like he's kind of He's winning over the the team uh, by his play, uh, by his actions, and I think he's come in in the perfect way. He didn't come in arrogant because there was a lot of baggage following Baker Mayfield coming here that I didn't really understand where it just seemed there was a narrative that he was immature and uh, not completely about football and all these things, all these negatives that were attached to him, even coming from the Browns. I mean, remember the Browns front office was saying that stuff was leaking out, that he was immature and need to grow up and all these other things. I haven't caught a hint of that at all here in Charlotte over the past month. If anything, it seems like he's uh, more determined to not give the media uh, any kind of sound bites that can be used against him or the team or the Browns or any of that stuff in the past. It feels like he's just kind of working to, to, to rebuild his career, I guess, in a certain extent. And I agree. He has a great year here, takes the Panthers to the playoffs. why would you not extend him at that point? You know, you don't need to give him five years, you know, $240 million (laughs) or whatever, but I would be fine giving him, you know, two years, 60 million guaranteed or whatever. I mean, that's for a quarterback. That's cheap. That's the interesting thing because all these fans are going to come back and say, Oh, so you're going to pay Baker Mayfield 30 million a year. Well, let's be honest. Like you're paying two quarterbacks right now, 23 million. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to pay, like, it doesn't matter. I mean, even if you're after – if Matt Corral was your guy in three or four years, you're going to have to pay him. Like, 
you're going to be paying quarterbacks probably upwards of $30 million. That's just how the market is right now. So if you pay Baker Mayfield, you know, two years, $60 million, like you said, you're not paying Sam Darnold $18 million next year. Like, there's $7 million that you're not going to be paying. So Corral's on a rookie deal for the next three, well, yeah, three years right. after this. So um, you're going to be fine. Yeah, you'll be just fine. And that's not even like high level anymore NFL quarterback pay. Like, I mean, the high level quarterbacks are making 40 plus, <laughs> you know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is making 50, I believe, this year. He's making $50 million this year and next. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Dak Prescott's like at 45 or something like that. Pat Mahomes is around 45. Like the top 10 quarterback, Kyler Murray's around 40 when his, his thing kicks in. Thirty million a year for a quarterback—that's kind of middle of the road money now for a quarterback. So it actually would kind of fit. It would seem crazy, but it would kind of fit, and it would give the the franchise peace of mind too, and the fan base because we really haven't had a settled situation at quarterback really since 2017. So we're really going into going on five years of not having uh, an idea of how well our quarterback's going to play. And even then, 2017, Cam was still the quarterback, but he got banged up throughout the season. They made the playoffs as a wild card, lost to the Saints on the road, and that's the last time the Panthers made the playoffs. Um, 2018, of course, is when the bottom fell out. They started like 6-2. and two. Cam got hurt in Pittsburgh. They end up losing like the rest of those games or something to that effect. The following year, uh, Cam hurts his uh, foot in preseason against the Patriots, actually. Uh, it was the third game of the, uh, of the preseason. Hurts his foot, doesn't play that whole season. Then the road for Cam, in the road for Ron Rivera, who we just saw Saturday with uh, the Commanders, um, and it led us to where we are now with regime change and everything else. So I say all that to say that preseason just doesn't matter. Uh, you're more prone to get hurt or something bad to happen to your team in preseason than something great. Like the only good story I can think of out of preseason ever is Victor Cruz, the the Giants yeah. wide receiver that kind of rose from being like the last man on the roster to being eventually a pro bowler with the Giants. I can't think of any time else in preseason where something's happened or I'm like, that's why they do preseason. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't <laughs> – I can't even think of one. And this Friday game, I'll be calling a high school football game Friday night, so I won't be able to watch it live. I'll have to catch uh, highlights from it. But if it's any indication of what they did last week, I don't expect a lot of starters to really play – on Friday night either because you're watching them all week against the Patriots, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's why I'm saying like they'll they may get two three series max, but um, yeah, I mean they're doing a lot of heavy work uh, today and tomorrow in these joint practices, so um, don't expect them to see much on Friday. And again, like I said, they, they may not play any of them in that final preseason game, and I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. I, I never watch week four. Well, now it's week three. I never watched that last one anyway. Uh, again, most of this stuff is for like the last, I don't know, we say four or five roster slots, really. Like they're just kind of figuring out that back end and then practice squad. So it feels like they kind of know what they're doing. Like, you know, that, that's strange to say, <laughs> but it feels like they kind of have a plan. Like they know what they're doing. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's August and like everybody's O and O. I just feel really optimistic about this team. Like last year, I don't remember feeling this optimistic going into the season. Like they had holes. <laughs> yeah, I think last year we knew it, it was basically the defense. We we knew the defense was going to be good. Christian mm -hmm. McCaffrey, if he's healthy, will help. Um, at that point, we kind of already knew 
you know, DJ Moore, how good he was. We thought Robbie was going to have another good year. And it was really about Terrace Marshall giving him, you know, giving the quarterback another star receiver. If they, we thought that that was going to be like a three headed monster receiver, didn't happen. The offensive line we knew was going to be garbage. So it was kind of like, it kind of played out to what we thought it was going to be, maybe a little worse, maybe. I thought, I think me and you probably had like at six, seven wins, maybe going into the year. Yeah, I think we were assuming we were going to have McCaffrey the whole year. That's what kind of messed up yeah. everything. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think this year you've got improved offensive line. The defense is back and better. They're playing more confident. You have Christian Mack healthy. You actually have somebody that's been successful at quarterback. So there, there's, there should be some hope. I don't think – I think anybody that's not hopeful or optimistic at this time of year, they're crazy. They're just pessimistic <laughs> <laughs> I know I know a few. There's a couple fans of other teams that are just like not looking forward to the season beginning. Um, but for I the Pan, Panther fans are very fickle and they're very kind of go with the flow type thing. Like if Baker Mayfield goes out here and starts five and oh, we're gonna see a bunch of Baker Mayfield jerseys around Charlotte. It's gonna be Baker Mayfield Mania, he's gonna have the Geico commercials again, and all that like all of it's gonna start coming back. But if Baker comes out here and starts one and four or whatever regardless of who they played, they will turn quick and ask for P.J. Walker. <laughs> they will say, we want P.J. Walker. Um, well, they'll, want, they'll either want one of two things. They'll want Macarow or they'll want Rule 5. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's that contingent that's still waiting to, to, to hop back on that again. The biggest thing for fans this season, and I know it's tough because you want to jump right back on that bandwagon. The moment this team loses a game, you can't get – flustered and say, let's fire Matt Rule. The minute they go and lose their second game, you can't do that. The only time that I would say would be okay to start thinking that is if this team just absolutely hits the, you know, the you-know-what right out of the gate. Let's say they start one and five, like you say, or one and four. If they start one and four, the pressure is going to be starting to turn. And if he doesn't start winning some games right after that one and four stretch to start, yeah. The, the seat's going to get a little warm on the buns. But I think for, you know, if they start, you know, two, three, if they have two, three losses in the first six, seven weeks, five, six, seven weeks, like there's no panic. If they if they hover around 500, if they're five and five, I still think he's fine. You can still – you can say your opinion about what you want, but I'm not firing the guy for five and five. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, he was hired for – was a seven-year deal? Like you don't fire yeah. a guy you signed to seven years in year two, like – you hire them with the intent you understand it's going to be a long-term process. You don't get impatient in the middle of the process you described to him when you hired him and tell him, well, you know, I told you I was going to give you a long period of time, but I mean, you can't that's just that business. Yeah. But but he doesn't seem like the type that would do something like that. And we haven't seen indication that he will. You know, (laughs) I I probably shouldn't say this. Uh Oh, (laughs) we can't sit here and say, Three years in, he wouldn't fire a guy for doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. But I mean, he does have 170 million dollars worth of steel in the ground in South Carolina, and then yeah, he- yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's, and walked away basically like just threw his hands up, like, "Well, I guess I just bought a bad dinner that night, and I'm gonna be out that money." Um, but I, I will say this though: by all indications, as we wrap this up for for this week. I don't think this team can start one and four unless like there's just a catastrophic, you know, injuries or just something. It just feels like they're the, the, the general sum of all the parts 
they're not a bad unit in terms of like the roster. When you go up and down the roster, you're looking at it like this team should be able to win some games. And even Belichick in his comments uh, after today, uh, you know how close to the vest uh, Bill Belichick is. He doesn't really give you much of anything. And he was like, you know, the offense is super talented. Uh, defense is really, really good. Like he was going on and on about uh, stuff. He's like, this is why we want to practice against him. It's a good sound team, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I was just listening to some of the stuff he said. And Bill doesn't give those kind of compliments out just because you practice against him. Like, you know, if he didn't have anything good to say about your team, he just wouldn't. He'd just have, you know, muted. Well, you know, we had a good practice today. We'll, <laughs> out there and we'll do it again tomorrow and see what happens. I'm not willing to say much else right now. Like, he would do like that. Like, that's all he would do. Like, he wouldn't say anything else. So for him to say that the Panthers were super good or whatever, that's about as much of a hug you're going to get from Bill Belichick as of anything. So I don't know what all that means, but we're going to find out, like I said, Friday night, 7 PM, the Panthers take on the Patriots week two of the preseason. Uh, I'm not sure how many people are going to play. We know McCaffrey will not be playing on uh, Friday night and we're both perfectly fine with that. I'd imagine they might start Darnold Friday night uh, since, Baker, you know, maybe the Darnold plays, maybe Baker doesn't play at all. Maybe they have Darnold, you know, play first quarter and, or maybe, or if Baker does play, maybe he just plays a series and he's out. And, I thought that Rule said the day he was going to name a starter after the Patriots game. I thought he said that too in the press conference. So he said it would be a telling week. He didn't really come out and specify, but he said Patriots week after they get back from Patriots week, they'll have a very good right. idea. So and it seems like it's Baker because he started with the first team today, uh, probably will tomorrow. It's like all the stuff people are complaining about that are fans on the outside. They're not understanding. There's a method to the madness where. They're ramping him up. Like, it's almost like people, fans feel like, well, he should have just had the first, you know, reps to begin with. He doesn't know the plays. <laughs> He's got to yeah. learn the playbook before he can get in there and do that kind of thing. It's just like, come on, guys, use logic here. They're, they're doing not the right only, thing. Not only that, but, like, I see all these comments like, oh, we're going to keep the, the quarterback battle going on into week two. Like, oh, this is ridiculous. This coaching staff is in over their head. Chill the heck out because, yeah. like, you're really going to freak out over four practices? We're a month away. We're, we're, <laughs> uh, well, okay, let me take that back. We're a little under a month away. Right. We have three and a half weeks until they kick off the regular season. I think they're going to be just okay if if they let this thing supposedly go throughout the rest of this week. Baker, if he is going to be the guy, which we all assume he is, he's going to get most of the number one reps probably this week, most of the number ones next week, and he'll have all the rest of the August – all for or the first two weeks of September, like there's so much reps for Baker Mayfield to have with the ones. It's it's okay. It's three or four practices. If you are Matt Rule, you want to be damn sure. Yeah, you got to know. Yeah, you've got to know. Like this is your job right now. You've got to know that he's your guy. It's like people are complaining about Matt Rule doing things where last year they're complaining he wasn't doing those things to achieve the results. Now they're complaining he's actually doing these things and it's not happening fast enough. And it's like, everyone just needs to pause for a second. It's like, August 16th. Like yeah, it's August. It's the middle of August. Like we're still technically in summer. Like we're okay. It's fine. Everyone's still O and O McCaffrey's still healthy. Everything's good. We're, we're, we're still in optimism land where, uh, you know, things can, you know, be fantastic for the season. Um, I wanted to say, cause we were going to do, Who's the defensive player you look to have a, a huge leap this year? We're going to save that for when we can 
uh, finally pinned down Mr. Thomas hey, Davis. I, I swear we're not making it up. We're not making it up. Thomas Davis is going to be a part of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast this season um, with preseason and running around. And the Panthers are practicing at different times during the week. And Skyler's got to be there for that. And then I've got stuff going. TD's got stuff going. We'll get it all coordinated for you. But uh, he, he will definitely be in the house. Um, and we'll let you know when he'll be here for that. We'll do the defensive player and the offensive player maybe next week. Um because again, I don't know how much we'll be able to pull out of the preseason game two or whatnot. So um, we'll do that there. Uh, for the latest on what's happening with the Panthers, follow Skyler on Twitter at Callahan underscore. You can follow me at Twitter, as you see below, at uh, Daz, D-E-Z underscore 3505. Um, you can listen to previous episodes of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on any major platform, any major podcast platform, including now the Sirius XM app, where all 32 NFL teams are represented with a Believe podcast weekly so for scholar callahan i'm desmond johnson you've been listening and watching the believe in carolina panthers podcast for uh the week of august the 16th we will see you next week after preseason game two keep pounding thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.